is Bloomberg Surveillance. People can't afford to buy a home. They're opting to rent. And people actually like the single-family product and are willing to rent it as opposed to buy it. The manufacturing sector is doing a little better right now than it had been for most of last year. And that's something that has been signaled by a few of these regional indices. If we have significant sustained upside surprises in the U.S., it's going to be more difficult for the Fed to remain dovish. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee in New York. It's 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 7 a.m. in Pittsburgh and Washington. The Penguins, the Capitals, Crosby, Ovechkin. They will meet in the NHL playoffs for the first time since 2009. Tom Keene was so excited he couldn't do the show this week. He has gone on vacation so he can stay up every night and watch. So joining me today... Francie Lacroix. Francie, we're doing five hours together this today. Exciting. This is exciting. It's so so glad to have you. Um, you are, of course, uh, our hockey expert, and you'll, we'll get your predictions <laughs> on this series coming up. <laughs> exactly. That's my forte. There's a lot of news out there. The president in Germany. Weird developments in the Republican presidential race. We'll talk about that with Greg Valle a little later. The news from Saudi Arabia. They're planning for their post hydro hydrocarbon area. The Total All Shares Index in Saudi Arabia lower right now. A big influence there and weighing on oil prices, West Texas Intermediate 4329 down 1%, Brent crude 4480 down 7/10. And as oil goes, well, we know what happens. Stocks in Europe are lower. The stock 600 down by uh right now 3 tenths of a percent, 1 point. The DAX is off by 54 Half a percent. A brief rise when President Obama was speaking in Hanover, Germany today, but it did not hold. U.S. futures are lower. S&P futures down by a tenth. Dow futures are down by a tenth. And the same percentage for NASDAQ mini futures. Some of that money going into bonds, the 10-year note yield is down a basis point, 1.88%, 1.34 for your five-year, and the two-year, 81 basis points. It is also Central Bank Week, the Fed meets Wednesday, the Bank of Japan on Thursday. Ahead of those meetings, the euro right now, 112.54, the yen, 111.09. The dollar index still low, 94.857. The red on the screen, an interesting contrast to results we have seen from some of the biggest industrial companies, which one would think would be hurt by slower growth and currency fluctuations. But GE, Honeywell... They bettered expectations last week. Their outlooks don't seem to match the gloom. Nick Heyman covers industrials uh, for William Blair. Uh, Nick, did they do something right, or is the zeitgeist wrong? Well, that's a good question. I think uh, both companies managed to uh, kind of check one key box off, which is uh, better than expected, you know, uh, earnings versus consensus. But after that, they were, you know, actually pretty similar in the sense that the optics weren't quite uh, quite as sharp as, as as might be hoped. They uh, they both had large acquisitions, uh, which they had to integrate. And in Honeywell's case, uh, as well as GE's, that brought uh, certainly some margins down. And, um, you know, at the same time, um, you know, both companies are working to drive through this uh, headwall with regards to foreign exchange, currency exchange. And for Honeywell, they hedged it. So ironically today, uh, they did not uh, get penalized by that. GE earnings were penalized two cents. But um, going forward, if the dollar weakens because of the hedge on earnings, 
Honeywell actually might find some more optical challenges if, in fact, their sales inflate, which would put more pressure on their reported margins. Well, how did they respond to what's going on? The banking sector just uh, cut. It was all about expenses. Uh, are they finding any way to grow sales in the industrials? Yeah, I mean, that's a big challenge, you know, and um, quite honestly, um, the key is uh, per- pretty tepid and market uh, and demand uh, growth in their key and markets for both companies. So what they're trying to do is find different either acquisitions or, in the case of GE, try to find a base infrastructure where the demand is endless. It's been basically held up by getting adequate financing put together. And so GE's working with third parties to arrange that for project finance. So that's really the kind of the key for, for, for this big headwall for uh, pretty weak revenues. Nick, you mentioned their acquisitions. If you look at Honeywell, sure, they beat on earnings, but actually they reported lower margins. This is because of the costs linked to acquisitions. When can they get margins back up? Good question. And um, I would say that we would certainly expect to see diminished uh, purchase accounting and um you know, uh, deal closing costs as the year progresses, but uh, you'll still have uh, amortization of goodwill on what was $11 billion or eight acquisitions that Honeywell's completed since early last year. So that's quite a, a good slug for them. And um, that'll keep, you know, some some uh, cap on, on margin, which historically has been the big driver, you know, um, in the face of slowing organic sales growth for Honeywell. And, Nick, are they still going to acquire more? It's uh, fascinating. Mike and I spend a lot of time on the program talking about the fact that CEOs are not that confident about the future. So most CEOs, be it in London, where I am, or in New York, or everywhere else in the States, they're just not brave enough to acquire. Honeywell is. Yeah, I mean, Honeywell obviously made the... uh they now, um, you know, dropped uh, overture to acquire, uh, you know, technologies. And our guess from listening to uh, speaking with the management last Friday is that um, they're going to be focused more on buyback um, rather than big acquisitions. they got a lot on their plate to integrate. They came through and beat two of the uh, cents of, of the beat on uh, Friday's numbers were uh, due to a $1.1 billion uh, repurchase of stock that was not expected in the first quarter. And so my sense is that's where the bias will be near term because we've got a lot to digest and integrate led by Elster. Nick Heyman is with us from uh, William Blair. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Michael McKee, Francine Lacroix in for Tom Keen. We're brought to you this morning by Invesco. Don't settle for average in your portfolio. To Invesco, the right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Nick, let's stay with uh, Honeywell. Uh, they have a new president and CEO uh, uh, suggesting that uh, Darius Adamczyk is going to be in line to succeed Dave Cody as CEO. But uh, as we have seen here in the United States, particularly with Disney in the last week or so, being next in line is not always a good thing. Yeah, it was really interesting when Dave Cody, this current CEO and chairman, was asked, you know, uh, what what was the significance of the creation of the new job of president and CEO to which Darius was appointed? And he said, Darius is a great guy. didn't want him to go anywhere. <laughs> and that was a unique response. I mean, Dave's going to turn 64 next uh, July, and he'll be, um, you know, 65 in July of 2017. So uh, it's expected that he'll probably step down sometime in early 2018. Is he the kind of person that we expect to step down? 
Well, that's always a good uh, question, but I think um, 65 tends to be certainly uh, pretty a pretty strong. Um, you know, turning point uh, for tenure for, for most management uh, at these larger public companies. And as much as Dave Cody has uh, done a tremendous job uh, really turning around Honeywell, I think that, um, you know, the board will, will certainly uh, continue to focus on the succession plan at 65. Uh, Nick, are you confident that both GE and Honeywell will continue doing better earnings-wise? This is almost a barometer of uh, the strength of the U.S. economy. But then you look at uh, Chair Yellen and what she thinks about the headwinds facing the U.S. economy, and it doesn't look so good. Yeah, I mean, right now it's it's become a much greater challenge for our companies to uh, be able to uh, generate, um, you know, continued earnings growth with uh, sales uh, or, you know, demand for, for, for in-market demand in most of the industrial end markets around the world being pretty, pretty weak. Um, they've had to resort to acquisitions, uh, to returning, you know, a lot more cash to shareholders via buyback. But those are getting challenging, you know, goals to still achieve as well. And so for most of our companies, um, they've also got a little bit creative, quite honestly, with regards to their accounting. And we now have a 25% uh, divergence across our universe of diversified companies uh, between gap earnings and uh, adjusted uh, EPS. And that's grown from just 6% in 2013. All right, let's come back with Nick Heyman. He's uh, the co-group head of Global Industrial Infrastructure. Ask him a little bit. i got to talk a little bit more about GE when we come back, Fran, but uh, he also covers a lot of the big European industrials, and I'm sure we're interested in finding out uh, you know, if there's a difference in outlook at this point. Yeah, they're not doing too great. Of course, it's the Germans that are exporting the most. And then we had that uh, drop in business confidence in Germany, so it'll be great to get his take on where German big companies go from here. Uh, I won't ask you yet, but I'll let you continue to cogitate on whether you're going to go with Pittsburgh, Tom's team, or Washington. <laughs> I, I have adopted them this year. So uh, that is going to be the big surveillance smackdown all week. Tom's not here. So, um, so Mike, I'm going to go with Tom just because I know he's listening, and it'll be a payback if I don't. you got to look up the team now. <laughs> black and gold are the colors. I hope you look good in black and gold. Of course. <laughs> Everybody looks good in a little black hockey jersey, right? <laughs> right. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. We're looking at futures. Uh, they had almost gotten to flat. Now they're deteriorating a little bit. S&P futures down by two points, a tenth of a percent. Dow futures off 20, a tenth. Stock 600 down by a point. That's a four-tenths drop. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Mount Kisco Volvo. Visit MountKiscoVolvo.com. Here's Michael Barr with News Headlines. Mike, thank you very much. President Obama outlined his plan to send additional troops to Syria. The president, in a speech in Hanover, Germany, says he will send up to 250 special operations troops in an advisory capacity in the fight against the Islamic State. That will bring the number of U.S. advisors there to about 300. The Brussels subway station where 16 people were killed by a suicide bomber is now open again. Security remains high across the underground network, which was hit during the March 22nd attacks in Brussels. Donald Trump's Republican rivals are teaming up to deprive him of the delegates needed to outright win the nomination. John Kasich's campaign says it will give Ted Cruz a clear path in Indiana. In return, the Cruz campaign will clear the path for Kasich in the Oregon and New Mexico primaries. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? 
Thank you, Michael. When we come back, more with Nick Heyman from William Blair on GE and the outlook for European industrial stocks. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. Michael McKee with Francine Lacroix. This is Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Elbow Beach, Bermuda, an oceanfront enclave of classic style and contemporary luxury. 50 acres of lush gardens and a private ribbon of pink sand beach. Go to elbowbeachbermuda.com for more details. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by CBOE VIX Options and Futures. Volatility can be harnessed with CBOE VIX Options and Futures. See disclosures and learn more at cboe.com slash powerful outcomes VIX. Oil retreating from the highest close in five months amid signs a global glut will be prolonged as Middle East producers boost supplies. U.S. stock index futures, they are lower this morning. S&P E-mini futures down two and a half points. Dow E-mini futures down 22 and NASDAQ E-mini futures down five. And a half. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And NYMEX crude oil, as I was talking about, down nine tenths percent or 40 cents to $43.33 a barrel. The DAX in Germany is down six tenths percent this morning. The 10 year Treasury up 4.30 seconds. The yield 1.87 percent. Yield on the two year 0.80 percent. Comex Gold is up four tenths percent or $4.70 to $12.34.70 an ounce. The Euro, $1.1257. The Yen, $1.11. Point one one, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Mike and Francine. Karen Mosca, thank you very much. We're talking with Nick Heyman from William Blair. He covers the industrials, and one of the big companies that everybody follows is sort of a signpost. I don't know if it's a benchmark guidepost to how the economy is doing. General Electric, uh, late of Fairfield County, Connecticut, heading to Boston. Uh, Nick. Uh, GE better than forecast, but margins, you, if you include the French, if you include Alstom, uh, falling uh, 120 basis points this last quarter. Uh, is this a, a, a short-term problem because of the acquisition, or is there a problem in the uh, in, in sort of the, the organic area that uh, Jeff Immelt is trying to create there? No, that's really uh, just the fact that Alstom, um, you know, has significantly lower profitability uh, than GE, and we would expect it will take until uh, probably the fourth quarter this year before you'll see the combined um, margins from Alstom and GE be able to be uh, higher than your earlier levels. How, how much is GE going to be then dependent on overseas revenue at a time when everybody is talking about lower growth overseas? Well, you know, there's probably someplace in the neighborhood of about 55 or 6 percent. But um, one thing I want to keep in mind is that uh, one of the goals of the acquisition of Alstom Energy is to really uh, shift GE's center of gravity to becoming a predominant base infrastructure supplier. And the last frontier for growth in the world economy right now is non-developed countries. But uh, for finished industrial good products, that's really hard. There's no aftermarket. There's no service support distribution. But for base infrastructure, all you really need is to put together um, some funds from sovereign wealth and from insurers uh, into project finance, and that suddenly opens the door. And for Siemens and for GE, this is really starting to click. 
The problem, Nick, is that when you look at emerging markets, and you were also mentioning some of the sovereign wealth funds, is a lot of them are dependent on oil. And mm -hmm. oil has gone down, so they're suffering quite a lot. What does it mean for, again, infrastructure in these emerging markets? It comes at a time where, sure, Janet Yellen has given them a lifeline, but at the same time, we worry about bad debt in emerging markets. Yeah, it's... Um the, the project finance is a bit different than just issuing debt. Um, it's a mezzanine debt structure with some equity as well that's overseen by the IFIs. And um, what we're trying to do is bring the third of the world's population that doesn't have access to base electricity, fresh water, uh, available energy, transportation, health care, those types of products there are really, really critical uh, for uh, much of Indonesia, uh, parts of India and China, uh, certainly most of Africa, and um, that's really where the growth is going to be. And uh, GE's put together a package of different types of solutions to countries' needs that are both cost-effective, that can help in turn generate more cash, uh, such as you know, energy, uh, because many of these companies, countries will actually uh, be sources for fossil fuel offshore uh, in the future after the end of this decade. Nick, I know you also look at some of the European industrials. So you cover yes. EBB, you look at Siemens. Is there any value in these? Siemens is probably one of the strongest uh, European companies. It's a big German exporter, and yet they've been hit. Yeah, I mean, Siemens is doing a good job as well, trying to get back to or to new highs, um, you know, in terms of their profitability. And um, I think that uh, they certainly have had some benefit from currency in recent quarters, uh, which will diminish. But at the same time, uh, they've been restructuring their cost base. Uh, they've got a good outlook for their wind and renewables business. Uh, they, like GE, has received large orders uh, from Egypt for power. And um, I think that uh, Siemens is, uh, is certainly probably more than able to overcome any uh, handicap from uh, the dollar's weakness that would impact their uh, the results adversely on a, on a, on a currency translation basis, but the underlying business that Joe is building there, uh, again, based on uh, core base infrastructure for non-developed countries, is, uh, is coming along and, and getting stronger every quarter. i, I got to ask you about one stock that you cover because it's just uh, so notable. You have an outperform on Bombardier. Uh, that's from February, and this is a stock that's just been killed. Uh, is it going to turn around? And if so, when does it uh, match your outperform rating? Well, the stock's almost doubled, okay, since February. And um, the stock right now, this has been a call about whether their plane, uh, the C-Series, would in fact uh, be a viable uh, contender uh, versus uh, Airbus's NEO and um, 320 NEO and the uh, uh, Boeing uh, 737 MAX. And in fact, we're on the cusp now of having the aircraft, I guess I would call it legitimized, uh, with a large order from uh, Delta, which should be finalized and announced here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, behind that is uh, several other orders. 
uh, again, from major uh, North American and European carriers. So I would say at this point, uh, yeah, it's it's probably a situation where it's taken much longer than we might have thought to be able to get yeah. this aircraft to market, and more importantly, to have it break the uh, the, the stranglehold that uh, was held by uh, both the Airbus and Boeing. Uh-huh. But now, you know, Boeing's even talking about developing a new new product <laughs> right. to compete with it. Nick Heyman, William Blair, thanks so much for being with us here this morning. Uh, right now, as, as before the market opened, uh, Bombardier at a dollar seventy-one Canadian, and next price two dollars share. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today.